This is the Final Fix Podcast. This is just real people having real conversations surrounding substance abuse and the way addiction impacts communities. We're three brothers who have experienced addiction through a family member and each have unique perspectives to the same situation. And as we have healed through discussing, we want to share our experiences and speak with others who have been affected by substance abuse. This will be an informal discussion kind of about our experiences uh, before we begin to have conversations with other people. Uh, we want to let this community know what our experiences are and where we're coming from. Um, so a little bit of background with our mom dealing with uh, active addiction with her and what that experience was like for us growing up at her different perspectives, um, the different places that we were. So Alex, we'll just go ahead and start with you. Uh, when did you first start to realize that there was there was an issue going on with mom, that something wasn't right? I think for me, it was, you know, being that I was already an adult, um, I was, you know, I, I had never been around hard drugs, but I had seen drugs and I had been around people who use drugs. Um, so I knew some of the signs. But I think the first real key moment for me was um, when there was uh, financial uh, issues and the signs just kind of started to add up um, or she was asking, you know, me for money. I think that was my first like, okay, this is real. Yeah. The, um, I mean, that's, that's a big piece, especially because like she held it together for, for so long. Like right. the money was always kind of an issue, but like she was always able to, to figure it out. And so I think when that stopped happening, that was definitely a big sign. What about you, Dom? When did you, I know you, you were young, so like yeah. it's totally yeah. different. Yeah. Um, honestly, which is like mind boggling to think about is the first time I realized that like, this is really weird and different uh, was I went to the hotel room that she was staying in and SeaTac, you know, all run down and everything. And I gave her a hug and I, I felt her, you know, her lungs or her, her bones and everything back here. And no. it's just, it's really jarring to, you know, see someone like that for the first time. Yeah. There's points that I can remember that like, it what not necessarily with, with drugs, but like there was points where I thought like something's like, this isn't how people have normal relationships with their mom. Like the, um, I remember talking to somebody about like her white Zen drinking <laughs> and they were like, Oh, Alki. I was like, what's an Alki? And like having a conversation like that. So I think like in, from my perspective, I think some of that stems like, a, like earlier, like the definitely like the habit of searching for that kind of euphoria or that, that disconnect, that break for her probably existed earlier, but just not, not the same. I mean, Alex, when you were gone in the Navy, um, there'd be nights that I'd come home like, uh, and she'd be passed out on the couch drunk, like, and, you know, carry her to bed and just being 16, 17, that's not something that, you know, you're supposed to do. Yeah. I feel like, um, just to kind of tack onto that, uh, addiction in general is, um, somewhat, there are certain things that addiction is normalized with, right? Smoking, uh, cigarettes or, um, caffeine or things like that, that just became societal norms. Uh, you don't think of it as addiction, but it is addiction. I mean, there's addiction everywhere. Uh, so we kind of, I feel like as a society, you know, when you see your mom drinking alcohol every night, 
you don't think of it as an addiction, but growing up as children, you don't, we don't have those vices and we don't have those things that we look at that and say, in our mind, we don't know that, you know, their body's telling them they need it. Right. We don't, we don't see that. So like you said earlier than, you know, hard drugs, there was smoking cigarettes and then she quit smoking cigarettes. And then there was, you know, the bottle of wine every night, you know, with her ice, you know, there's just, there's just (laughs) crushed ice. Yeah. There's just things that lead up to it that, you know, you don't hindsight's 2020, you know? Well, there's, there's multiple theories on it. Like, so the DSM, the manual that psychologists use for classifying any, uh, you know, mental disorder, anything like that changed the lingo to substance abuse disorder. So like it literally could be abusing any substance. And then the, um, one of the like prevalent theories on why people become addicted in the first place is self-medication. So like there definitely is that existence of that, that happening. Like people will find a way to fill whatever feeling they're trying to fix in their own, like in themselves, even if they don't go to the doctor for it, like those cigarettes did that. And then she stopped doing the cigarettes and then it was, you know, the bottle of wine or the glass of wine, bottle of wine, then box of wine. (laughs) It just, people will find, find that. Um, anyway, so the fix, they got to get their fix. Yep. Um, how Dominic, like you've wrote a lot about this and you know, your writing on this has been, um, like, I don't want to say made you famous, but like you got an opportunity to go and speak about your experience. So I know you remember how you were feeling in that moment of the hotel. So I just want to go like to that for a second, like the way that seeing her for the first time and like having that realization that, you know, like there's something wrong with my mom. Like what, what could take us there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when you walk into a motel room that you see in the parking lot has needles on the ground and you don't really, you know, you're 12 years old, 11 years old, uh, and you don't know what it is. And then walking into a motel room that is tiny and it, but it smells like your house. It's, it smells like your house. It's decorated like your house, like it's home. Um, and just, you know, giving my mom, you know, anyone giving them a hug and feeling that they've lost weight and their face is all skinny. And, you know, you can see their jaws like popping out a lot. Uh, it's really like a denial thing, especially being that young. Um, you know, it was, it was normal. It was dressed up. She dressed up that for me. So I could feel comfortable in that situation, you know? And, uh, I remember talking to dad about this cause he took me there. It's, uh, you know, he said, how do you feel? He asked me how I felt and I was like, I'm fine. You know, like, you know, I, you know, I got practice tomorrow, right? Like, don't forget my pads acting like everything was normal, you know? But then when I started writing in which this is my therapy was writing, I realized that, you know, I went home a couple nights later and I, I just felt really sad and started crying for some reason. Didn't know why. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's fake. It was fake. That's, that's the best word I can use. It was fake. And I didn't, the whole, you know, disguise was gone as soon as that happened. There's some people that they start to go down the, uh, the hole of addiction and, it all falls apart and you see that it all falls apart. I feel like mom was very good at keeping it together. Like even 
and not just through the addiction, but like through life, like when shit was going bad, she always somehow it worked. It worked out. It was always like, you know, it is what it is. Like I, you know, it, even when like her and dad were fighting or, you know, just, it always seemed like she held it together. And I think that that theme like persisted through into the beginning of her addiction and still like today, like things aren't normal, but, um, she's definitely put on this. Um, she's trying, like she's made it try to get back to like a normal life. Alex, what about you? What, when you, when those money struggles first happened, I know, you know, like we've talked a lot about kind of the detachment, but like, is, was that an immediate feeling or like how, how were you feeling in those first moments where you realized that, you know, I always wanted to help, um, financially, you know, I was, like I said, I, I was a new father. I was had the, you know, family, if you will, of my own. I just, you know, I was living with mom. I had actually just moved back into her house, uh, with, with, you know, Dominic and Hannah. And, um, I found out that, you know, it was like, Hey, uh, you know, can you help me pay the water bill? Can you help me do this? Can you help that? And then, you know, a couple months down the line, it was like, Hey, we got to move. We're losing the house. You know, we're, we got to move out. And, uh, I, you know, in my mind, um, I think originally it was dressed up as the, the landlord is, is not renewing our lease or something, you know, it was, there was a story, um, as usual. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm an adult, uh, I need to get a, a place of my own. So we got a, an apartment and, and that was that, but then the ask for money continued. Um, and it all started to make sense, if you will, of like, oh, we actually lost the house because we hadn't paid rent or whatever, you know, um, but when you talk about detachment, for me, that was um, my coping mechanism. You know, as Dominic had says, he wrote, um, I struggle to empathize emotionally. Uh, and so my, I don't do well with feelings. And so my way to just cut all that out and not deal with it is literally just that. I just cut it out. So when I got my own apartment, um, I just cut it out. I mean, and initially it was you know, I would just go a couple of days without talking to mom and then it turned into weeks. And then further down the addiction, I think there was a year or more that I didn't talk to mom. Um, and that's how I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's the best way and I don't recommend it. Um, cause I just deal with things how I deal with them, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was just, just, it does, she didn't exist in my mind anymore. And I don't know if that's the healthiest way, but that was how, I, I mean, that, that's how you dealt with it. Like, yeah, that's how it I is dealt with it. Yeah, she just, she just did, didn't exist. I didn't want to go as far as to say, at, the, at that point, I didn't want to go as far as to say, like, my mom's dead to me because I love my mom. And I know that, like you said, she held it down my whole life. I never worried about a roof over my head. I never worried about my next meal. Like, she held it down. So I had no, I had no hate towards her. Um, so I guess the best way to describe it is she just didn't exist. I yeah. had my own, I had my own shit to worry about and you know, I, she just didn't exist. Last life you went on. It's, yeah. I mean, and that's, I think part of that is that you, you had a child of your own at that point. So it was like, Hey, like you can't deal with 
parenting your parent or like going through stuff with your parent, you're, you're figuring out how to, you know, do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, I think the, the timing of that is, is kind of nuts. Um, man, I don't, I don't remember like mine was kind of waves. Like there was times where I was really hopeful and really like, Oh, she's going to do good. You know, she's going to figure this out. And then there was times where, you know, I did have those thoughts of like, my mom's gone. Like I just, I think initially, um, I just didn't believe it. It was that denial. Uh, and then I don't know. Cause so my perspective, like my dad and mom split when I was, when I was one or before one and dad, my dad had me. And so I always had kind of, uh, a relationship with mom that wasn't what I, th- what I like looking back, I was always wanting more. Um, and I think that's kind of persisted like that I've always kind of felt cheated, but it just, uh, so w- when, when she started doing bad, um, that was kind of more of the same to me that she just wasn't who I needed her to be but I was really trying to like step in and help. And like, maybe this is the opportunity, this is the chance that I can like help my mom. And like, she'll be the mom that I've always wanted her to be, you know? And that's just like a theme of my life, like trying to get people to be what I need them to be. Um, Cause I just never felt like I had that, but uh, yeah. So I guess th- for, for the audience, like we don't want this to be like a, sad depressing thing all the time so we're gonna try to keep this lighthearted, and we will like throw stuff in there as we're talking to people um so the next thing i want to ask and i'll start with dom is like what moments did you feel like really hopeful like as mom you know anywhere in the process like when mom was starting like any of her times of going to um like get into recovery or when she actually like got into the sober living house and like got going on her own like what what points did you feel most hopeful? Um, I feel like that's hard for me because she was always my mom until I got a little older. Um, you know, she always came around me. She was always checking up on me, you know, um, and being the youngest, that's, that's how it is. You know, you're spoiled and everything. Baby but, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, when I felt the most hopeful was when we all gathered together uh, it was me, Alex, grandma, grandpa, you know, Aunt Sarah, everyone that we went to the recovery that was in, I don't remember where it was at. It was South, um, you know, and seeing her from the motel and then seeing her then, you know, she was like glowing. She was a different person. She gained weight. You know, she was showing us all these things, all her exercises she does to get her mind off of the addiction and everything. And, uh, you know, I, I was genuinely happy, you know, like, and especially at that time, you know, I had broken my ankle by then I wasn't playing sports, um, doing bad in school. And so just that itself, I mean, just, I put her on a pedestal my whole life. And so just seeing that I was like, this is it. Like, I'm good. Like I can get through this because she can get through this. Uh, and then, you know, to go on the worst side of it was after she came out, and was in the, you know, clean and sober house and then left. 
it was a complete, you know, three or one eighty for me. You know, I was completely in the dump. Like you couldn't talk to me. You couldn't get on the phone with me. You couldn't see me. Like I, you know, I shut down after that. Why, why do you think that? Well, I mean, you know, when, you know, they say never meet your heroes. And at that point she was my hero, you know, she overcame this thing. And for me, it wasn't that long because I didn't realize what it was. So for me, it was like a little bit. And then she's like, okay, snapped out of it and then went to recovery. Right. And so, you know, her doing fine for so long. And I felt like she just, I try not to swear, but like, I felt like she like betrayed me in a way, you know? Um, so it's, it hurt me personally. I felt like it was a personal attack on me. Like she doesn't love me. She obviously doesn't love me enough to overcome this. You know, what am I to her? I'm nothing. So what am I to myself? Like that was my, that was my person, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, that's really it. I, I felt betrayed. I felt hurt. I got, I felt like I got stabbed in the back. That's a super normal feeling for children of addicts. Like that's the normal reaction. And I think that through these conversations, like we'll hear that a lot, I'm sure. I mean, um, for me, like the point that I think that I was most hopeful, um, I, I was kind of, I got super religious for a little bit and, uh, <laughs> went and I sent her a Bible and I didn't talk to her for uh, it was probably six months or a year or something. And the one thing she said to me, was like, yeah, I still have the Bible. And it was like, okay. So like, she's, she's figuring it out. And I think that was a big thing when she got into the sober living, like she was constantly in church volunteering, doing everything. And so as much as I'm like disingenuine or whatever the word is, I, as much as I am um, not in love with organized religion, like I think that a part of that helped save mom, like help pull her out of the, the worst parts. Um, a time where I felt like completely hopeless. Uh, I was in boot camp and she had just gone to, she had been on the streets for a while and we had done like a, no, this is separate. She had, she had been on the streets for a while and then she had started at a rehab. She had like showed up at grandma's one night and then went, I think the next day. And I'm like a couple weeks into boot camp, and dad writes me a letter saying that mom is gone. <laughs> and I get this on like a Tuesday. <laughs> and in my mind, mom is gone means mom <laughs> is dead. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? You, this is how I'm going to find out that my mom's dead. You're going to write a letter, and I can't use the phone again until Sunday. <laughs> and uh, come to find out, it was just like a big misunderstanding. But I went through that. Like, she had just. It was a rehab that she could check herself out of and was just gone. Like she just stopped being there. And uh, so, yeah, I started the grieving process <laughs> alone <laughs> at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. <laughs> and for anyone that's confused, when we say dad, most of the time it's referring to my dad. Yeah. Um, I feel like we'll specify, but if we ever say dad, it's always, yeah. it's referring yeah, to my dad. So we, we each have different dads, um, but dom's dad steve has been the constant um basically since forever yeah forever. <laughs> yeah 2004 i don't, I don't know yeah. when they got together something like that no how, i was born in 2002 when i don't remember when they got through i was oh yeah yeah, yeah 2002 okay yeah because I, I was 11 seven yeah yeah i was 11 okay yeah so that's right anyway uh alex what about you what's <laughs> what's the point that like 
was uh, that you found super hopeful and then the opposite? You know, I think that a very hopeful point was uh, when we got our tattoos, to be honest with you, um, to kind of go into that a little bit. We all, when I say we all, I don't think Dominic was old enough yet, but no. uh he still doesn't we, have it. Yeah. So got nice. Kobe tattooed on him, but he doesn't have it. <laughs> I've got, like, got funds like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, when we got our tattoos, it was myself and Jordan and our sister and our mom, we all got matching tattoos. Um, and, uh, just seeing her, you know, I think when I was getting my tattoo, I, I turned and, and her and Hannah, who is our sister, by the way, I don't know what we'll, we'll introduce her and talk about her a lot, I'm sure. But, um, I saw mom and Hannah having a conversation and, um, I think mom was laughing and, uh, just hadn't seen it, you know, I hadn't seen that in a long time. So it made me happy. Um, but I think the, the worst moment was there was probably, I don't, I don't know if it was while you were in boot camp, Jordan, I don't know if this was the same time, but there was a point where like, and I don't know if she communicated with Dominic. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but she kind of went dark for like four or five, six months. And um, it turned into me creating a Facebook post, yeah. like looking for her. And, um, you know, dad hadn't heard from her. Grandma hadn't heard from her. I, no one had heard from her. And again, being the brother, the, the, the person that kind of cut it all out, I, I was used to that. But then when I started getting people reaching out to me, like, Hey, I haven't talked to your mom. Or, you know, when I asked Dominic, I'm like, Hey, when's the last talk to, time you talked to mom? And he's like, it's been a while. Um, I started to get nervous. Um, I think that was my worst fear moment because it took a long time to find her. And when we did find her, um, it was, that was the worst I'd ever seen her. She was yeah, probably, she wanted nothing to do with us. I, I, that was after boot camp. Cause yeah. I, we found her because a girl on face or on uh, that worked at McDonald's mm -hmm. had seen the Facebook post and mm -hmm. called. Yeah. And uh, I think I can't, I think it was you and Chuck were the ones that showed up. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I left, I left work and I bolted over there to try to find her. And, and when we got there, you know, she was there. Um, and you know, I saw her, I, I don't even think I gave her a hug. I think the first words that came out of mouth, I was like, what the fuck? You yeah. know, I think that was the first thing that came out of my mouth without even intentionally being that. Um, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, where you been? And um, she was so out of it. It just, she just it didn't even, I, that was not my mom. I mean, that yeah. was, it was, it was physically her, but, you know, and then to, to leave it all, I asked her if I could, you know, like, is there anything you need? You know, I was trying to be, I was, I was pissed, you know, I was mad. I was trying not to be mad, but I was like, I was angry with her for doing that. And, um, to top it all off, I think I was like, well, wh what can I do? You know, she was like, you know, can I get, she wanted, she's like, can I get 20 bucks? And, you know, I want to get some food. I'm like, well, let's go into McDonald's and I'll get you a cheeseburger or something or whatever you want. And she's like, no, no, no. I just need the 20 bucks. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, it was it, you know, I'm like, you know, I didn't give her any money. I, I think she took the cheeseburger and then I left and I, I left her where with uncle Chuck. And, um, I think shortly after that, she got another phone or, or whatever. And she started communicating again, but yeah, that was really my low is when she just saw us and she saw how frustrated and angry we were and, and sad. And the first thing she could do is ask for money. 
Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. It was it, even as a, an adult who pretty much fully had awareness of what was going on. It blew my mind. Yeah. And we rationalize as adults, like we, as kids too, like you rationalize and, but I think the power that the, that, you know, heroin or any other drug has on you is so strong that, um, unless we're in it, it's hard to, to really get that, the chains that it has. Um, I mean, the feelings, again, it goes back to what Dom said, like that, just that feeling of betrayal, that feeling of like, what the fuck, um, that's, that's huge. So the next thing that I kind of want to talk about, like, is just the overall process of healing, like, and how it's different for everybody. You know, if, if you think about grief, there's, you know, so many steps or this kind of bullshit you find on the internet, that's not exactly the same for every person. Um, healing can be a lifelong journey. I mean, I'll tell you, I guess I can kind of start like, uh, I've been going to therapy, uh, consistently since December to June. So six months now, uh, I've been big on self-help and reading and all that crap for years. And, uh, I still like have pretty severe like mommy issues and daddy issues and a whole host of issues, uh, issues with women, fear of abandonment list goes on lots of, lots of therapy time. Um, but the, the feeling that I have at peace, I would say is a pretty big milestone. Like the fact that, you know, I, I can, tell you I haven't talked to mom in a year now um and if like she called me or if I saw her I would definitely talk to her um but I think just the peace and acceptance that like you know she's sober or you know whatever and uh that she just is who she is now and she got through a really hard point of addiction and she's you know she made it to the other side and that relationship might not ever be what I want it to be, but I hold nothing against her anymore. And as much as I still like struggle, it's not a constant pulling like it used to be. Dom, where are you, where do you think that you are in your healing process with everything? Uh, I'm pretty far in it, honestly. I, I have bad days, obviously, but when bad days even bad nights it's mostly at nighttime you know when you're in your thoughts but when a bad night used to be a bad day and was a bad week and was a bad six years through middle school and high school <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah i mean no shit. that's exactly what it was it was a pivotal time for you yeah no i i i and when it comes to healing i feel like i didn't parent myself, but, and I always feel so guilty because I don't feel like I talked to you guys enough when it was going on because I didn't know what was happening to myself either, you know? Um, but when it comes to healing, I'm far because I was alone in my own head. Uh, and I feel like that can go so many different ways for so many different people, but you know, dad worked nights most of the time that she was gone. So, you know, when you get home from school and your dad's leaving or, you know, and you, you know, you cook dinner for yourself, you know, you do your laundry, stuff like that. 
Um, I feel like I could have gone in a really different direction, but I don't know what it was. I don't, I, I mean, I attribute to a lot of you guys cause I lived with Alex like for a lot of those years. I mean, I was there every weekend. I live, I moved in with him in high school, like literally, you know, yeah. and I've, I've always asked, I'm pointing, but they can't see me. Um, I've always Jordan. I've, I've literally asked you for every step of my life. Like how, once I turned 18, like I wanted to know what I was going to do because I feel like my biggest fear and this probably goes back to that. And there's a lot of healing is that I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, mom was very unpredictable. So I kind of want my life to be more predictable. Um, and I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm very sound in with who I am and with my choices. And I saw something and it's that you can't control your emotions, but you can control your actions. So yeah. even in a bad day, I'm not going to lash out at someone for no reason. It's not their fault. I'm not going to do anything rash or anything like that. Um, and I feel like that was a huge step for me because if I got triggered by anything, uh, nah, that family event, I'm not going to be there. You're not going to see me, you know? Um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm there. I feel very happy and content with where I am at mentally when it comes to like this stuff. Yeah. And I would say that from an outside perspective, you've for the most part been there for quite a while. Like I, you were the first of us, I think that truly like accepted where she was at and like started to, um, change your relationship, like to fit to where mom was at, like meeting her where she was at. And, uh, I mean, I think that you're right. A lot of the, the fears that you have go back to that, but I think that you've done a really good job in like creating that safe, secure place for you, uh, and what you want moving forward. So that's, I mean, that's huge. So kudos yeah. to you, uh, Alex, where do you think that you are in your healing process? Um, you know, I'm perfect. So I don't have any, no. um, That's no, where he's uh, at. No, no, I think, I think that, uh, I think that, um, you know, I'm like, like Dom said, I mean, I'm, I have my good days and my bad days. And, um, one of the biggest things for me that I noticed recently is how short life is with Papa passing away. And, um, that, that was really my rock. Dom had, we had, we all, we had mom, right. Mom, mom held it down, but, another major part of my life, I would say the other 50% of my life was, was Papa. And when he, when he passed last year, um, I was like, shit, like shit. And, uh, so that's taken me to a new place mentally. And I think that it's helped me with realizing that I just have to do what I can, um, every day, as long as I do what I can, I can't control other people. And, um, as long as she says she's doing good and as long as that's what she wants to tell me and, you know, and I still always offer my, you know, I, I think I end every conversation with everyone, uh, is, you know, if you need anything, let me know because I want to make sure that people know that, that I'm, I'm here. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about you unless you tell me but I'm yeah. here. Um, you know, and that was, you know, piggybacking off of what Dom said is I felt extreme guilt because Dominic, it just, it tore me dude, because you lived with, you lived with us. And I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know that we've ever had this conversation, but you know, that was me helping in a, 
in the only way I knew how I knew you were alone. I knew you dad work nights and mom was gone. And I'm like, Hey, let's do this this weekend. Hey, come over Friday. We got a basketball tournament this weekend. Why don't you just come over Thursday night and you'll stay and then I'll take you home Monday. Dad asked me to, Hey, he doesn't need to know. He doesn't need to know. We don't need to put that on him. We don't need to put that on him. And it just ate me because I wanted more than anything. And, and this is a story that I've shared. And, and I think you probably remember, but when we were at Walmart buying insulin for Susie, um, Susie's a dog, by the way, we used to have, uh, she had diabetes, so we had to get her insulin, but we would go to Walmart and, uh, we'd get big, big bags and needles, uh, to give her her insulin shots. And, uh, I had never talked about mom really, or her addiction or anything because I was asked not to, and I didn't really agree with it, but it wasn't my place. Cause you know, you were still a child. I think you said something along the lines or are those the same needles that mom uses? And I fuck, I almost lost it right on the spot. And I don't, and I don't know in what capacity you meant that. And I don't know, I don't even remember how old you are. I think you knew a little bit more than any, you told anyone that was like, it was just such an offhanded comment and it, I just kind of left it alone. And, um, it, you know, it, it just made me realize back to the whole, how I'm, you know, where I'm at with my healing is, you know, I just, I try to do what I can for everybody. Um, and worry about myself at the same time. But I think that I'm decent. You know, I think that every day I wake up and I'm happy. My life is good. And so until mom reaches out for help, I just have to assume she's okay. And that's kind of how I found my healing. Um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to like dissect from that. And I apologize. Uh, like I said, we're going to try to keep things a little lighthearted. There's definitely a cat in the background. Of my- <laughs> <laughs> I have the door closed. <clears throat> but she's still going crazy. So she's meowing away. But first thing, like kids, no matter how much you try to hide and protect, always figure things out. And I think they're always more aware than we ever give them credit for. So like Dom, that, um, I don't know, you've said a couple times like that you didn't fully understand the situation, but like you knew something was going on. And I think Alex, you stepping in there, um, that's, that's huge. I mean, Dom and I have had conversations about like, that's a, um, that was a major point for me that uh, I like just, I guess, sidebar. Uh, I, when I first started going through therapy, I started doing a thing called EMDR, which you hold these two paddles and it's eye movement. Um, I don't remember what it stands for, but anyway, you have your eyes closed and it like, it's supposed to trigger response. Uh, the way that it was explained to me is if you had like two files across the room, when something happens, you're moving from one file to the other, but sometimes things get lost in the middle and that process is helping you get those files back to where they're supposed to be. And something happened where I felt like I couldn't forgive myself between something that happened with Brooke and I, my wife. Um, and it all came back to why to like, I never felt like I could forgive myself for leaving you because when I moved when I lived in Washington and then like mom wasn't doing drugs yet that I, that we know of. Um, but this was like months before. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to move back to my dad's. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't be there. And, uh, like that was a big thing for me up until this year. Like it's, and I didn't even realize that it was like subconsciously sitting there. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. But the, the other thing that, um, that prompted me. And I don't know if, um, Jackson is 
where he can hear you right now, but uh, there's going to be listeners that have family members of all types that are dealing with addiction. So uh, I don't know how much you want to get into um, stuff with, with Lauren, but like, you know, there's another addict uh, Mm -hmm. that, how do you talk to your son about what his mom is going through, having gone through that with, with our mom? Like, yeah, I think that uh, just to touch on that quickly, um, he's he's not here right now, by the way, so that's fine. It's a different scope. I mean, we know what mom was doing. I don't really know what she was doing. I just know that something was off. And so I removed him from the situation. To this day, I have no proof, evidence, can confirm nor deny. However, we want to leave that. It is what it is. You know, he went actually just two days ago. He went a full year without talking to her. Uh, not of my making, not of his making of, you know, her decision. So I won't dive too far into that, but just in talking to him about why he can't talk to his mom or uh, things like that, I really, you know, Brooke, um, my Brooke. So we'll clarify that. <laughs> another, Jordan, another, yeah, my Jordan's wife's wife. name is Brooke yeah. and Alex's girlfriend's name is Brooke. So my, my Brooke and I have uh, anytime he asks, he, can I call my mom? Uh, you know, it was absolutely, let's try to figure it out. Um, there came a point where he stopped asking cause she stopped answering. It was always, uh, you know, Hey, mom's going through some stuff right now. Uh, and she has some things she needs to figure out. And then as soon as she does that, um, you'll absolutely be able to see her, talk to her whatever, you know, now I will say that again, back to, I've always tried to be very open and honest with my kids. And I have told her that he is getting older and he is very, very smart. And as you said, kids pick up on absolutely everything. And, um, he's asked some questions that are more or less, is my mom doing drugs? And I don't, again, I don't have proof of that or, so I'm not going to tell him yes. Cause I don't know. However, I do tell him that, you know, she's working through them through some things. And, and when, when she gets through those, you'll be able to see her. And, but I've told her that her and I need to sit down and have a serious conversation because eventually I'm going to tell him the truth. I'm not going to wait until he's Dominic's age. You're not going to wait till he's a late teenager. I'm going to hit these points head on and, and um, try not to let it affect his later life. Now, will there always be some issues? Sure. I want to try to hit them head on and address them with him while he's relatively young. And some people may not agree with that. Some people might say, no, you know, they're too young to be able to rationalize that or understand or whatever it may be, but I'm not going to say your mom is X, Y, Z. It's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to her. And if she wants to explain it to him and tell him the truth, then I'm okay with that is basically what I'm saying. I'm okay with him knowing the truth, if it's going to come from her. And and same thing with, with our mom. I think that when in the thick of her being homeless and an addict, you still ask her point blank, you know, why, why are you choosing to do drugs? I'm not doing drugs. You're like, what? Like it was, you know, it's the acceptance on their part that really matters. Um, and, and it needs to come from them just like wanting help. It has to come from them. You can't force anybody to do anything. That feeling of being a child and having your parent choose to not be in your life, like is devastating no matter what the age. And I think that like more power to you, you're in the right by providing the best life that you can for your son. And like, it just like someday he may ask that question of like, why, why doesn't my mom choose me? And that's difficult. And so I think starting the process of wrestling with that early, um, 
you know, not right now, but like when he's at a point where he's able to grapple a little bit better, or maybe like with the help of trained professional, mm-hmm. um, is would help him later on in life. So I think that's, I mean, I think you're doing the right thing. Um, shifting gears a little bit, like, I guess the next thing I want to talk about is kind of fear, like addiction. Um, there is the, you know, um, environmental piece of it, but there's also the piece of it that comes kind of, um, through family, through your genetics. And we know that, you know, mom's real dad had some addiction issues and, um, that kind of just runs through the family. So I guess I want to know what your guys' fears are, uh, with, with that. Is there, do you have any, I mean, you could be simple as no, like you're, you're solid. Um, but go ahead and off my fears, huh? Um, I feel like in a weird way, I don't, I don't know if it sounds weird from an outside perspective, but I feel like my fears are more in myself. Like, I don't feel like I have a super addictive personality. I mean, just like anyone my age, I'm definitely addicted to my phone and I've tried to take measures to help me with that. But my biggest fear is my relationship with my vices. Um, I feel like everyone has a vice and they're not bad, but everyone has a vice, which whether it's, you know, drinking a little or anything, you know? Um, and so I try to limit those. I've never taken a sip of alcohol as you guys know, and no one believes me, but it's true. And I don't, I I trust myself, but I don't know if I want to also, you know, subconsciously open that door. Um, but my I was curious. That was that was kind of where I was. What I was thinking of is like I know that that's a thing for you, and I didn't know if that's just you just don't have no desire, or if that's you know a door you don't want to open. If there's any subconscious play there, like yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, it has to be. That's the only thing I can explain it by. I mean, other than it being so open, like you know, you I'm the youngest. You know, you guys are you guys were were already experienced people, like adults when I started getting, you know, curious about stuff like that. Um, and you guys never held out on information, you know, cause that's just how it was. And I'm so thankful for that because I feel like when stuff is hidden is that when that's when people get super curious and that's when they oh, do for stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm not curious about the feeling. Um, and, but my biggest fear, my biggest fear is losing control and you know hurting the people that i love (laughs) really i mean it's hand in hand i mean losing control of your life completely and this podcast is a (laughs) a direct correlation yeah this is uh i think the object of this is to be a helpful resource for people who not necessarily the person that's abusing um themselves but more so for family members that are dealing with it and like, what does healing look like? What are good methods? We're going to talk to all kinds of people. Um, but I guess telling our story is pivotal to help listeners understand where we're coming from and why. Um, so yeah, that's using this as a platform as healing for us too, is going to be a thing. Like, that's great. Uh, I'm so excited. Yeah. So selfishly, like this is just as much for us as, as it is for the listener. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, cause when I look at it, like we didn't have anything like this, like there was such a gap in what was available, 
because uh, you just read all kinds of shit online. That's just not, it's hard because even the three of us who went through the exact same scenario, mm-hmm. our perspectives are wildly different. Um, right. Yeah. The, that's an understatement. Yeah. I mean, so, like my fear, like if you look at it and I look just like my dad and I get that shit all the time, <laughs> um, but like I catch myself feeling relating and like i don't want to say like i'm mom i feel like my personality mirrors hers in such a weird way like i know like she had issues with her dad which led to like i don't want to get too psychological but like she had issues with her dad which led to issues with the opposite sex which she got pregnant really young always had issues with men going back and forth um and then started finding like finding those vices and going down that road. And it's like, I always had mommy issues. And then I always had these troubles, like problems with women and was chasing this approval. And so, um, and I like, there's been periods in my life where I'm like, Whoa, I'm drinking way too much. I need to like slow down. And I check myself and like, I'm pretty aware of that. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's a big fear for me is like, I feel And I have, so not only on mom's side, like on my dad's side, I have, there's a lot of addiction, um, depression, anxiety, suicide, uh, suicidal ideation, like all that shit. So like, I just feel like the chips are kind of stacked to where it, it could get bad. And so it's scary. Like it, that is a fear that I have. Um, Alex, what about you? What's, do you have, I mean, we talk a lot about Jackson and like, I guess, what are your, what are your yeah, fears? I think that personally um you know my dad struggled with addiction never to the point of you know mom um, but just in his teenage rebellious youth uh, using various drugs and and drinking and and things like that um i don't know if it's addictive personality on on that side but i definitely find myself running into issues where like not even bad things right like i find myself if i get in a routine if i have a good day Let's say I have a really good day. I find myself all of a sudden that morning, I'm like, okay, well, what did I do yesterday? I stopped at the gas station. I got, you know, my hostess donuts and whatever it is, you know, it'll be months every day. I'm like, I'm at the gas station getting my hostess donuts and getting the same thing because in my mind, the first time I did that, I had a really good day and I'm chasing that. And that's the subtle thing with like addiction is like, it's not even substances it's it's the feeling it's the dopamine you got from you know i had a really good day today what did i do today how can i repeat that tomorrow and there's positives to that there's definitely positives to that did i wake up early did i make my bed did i you know what did i do today let's repeat that to have a good day but i catch myself and i'm like caffeine is one of them you know i can go all day with no caffeine and but the minute i think about the fact that i haven't had caffeine i start to get a headache and so that i'm chasing yep. caffeine right so I think for me, there's, there's, it's not necessarily substances that I'm worried about, uh, like drugs, but, um, I do catch myself like finding like, okay, I got to do the same thing. And I'm like, well, if I do the same thing every day, how is my life going to progress? Right. So I need to be out there more often. I don't like to really, I don't go do things a lot because it's a change in my routine. You know, I'm addicted to my routine. Um, and I'm, I'm aware of that, uh, because it's not fair to my kids and, But I think that goes back to like the same thing with Dominic. Like it's 
there wasn't we've moved every year every nine months like it just wasn't there wasn't consistent and so like creating that consistent routine for you has been a healing thing that that you're kind of feeling that that you need like Mm -hmm. so i don't think that in itself is bad i think like you said the chasing the you know you had something once and it created this thing and now that's what you're chasing but um you know you can get into some bad things with that uh, but i don't think that the gas station hostess is getting kill you right now at least i mean eventually maybe eventually no, I yeah mean, buddy with it, irritable bowel syndrome and all kinds of shit yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly so you know and also like um moving we moved constantly yeah. i think i think at one point i think on my 16th birthday when we moved into the big house we call it um yeah. i had moved 14 times i think i counted it was like 14 times in 16 years we moved and I think that that has translated into my adult life. I've never, I just, we just re-signed a lease on the house I live in now. And that was the first time I've ever re-signed a lease in my life oh. ever. I've never re-signed a lease. I've lived there and I've moved on. I've had 15 different cars, not because there was anything wrong with them, just because I was ready to change. You know, I've, I don't know you guys give me shit all the time because I've had 20 phone numbers, right? Change. 25 jobs. <laughs> yeah. Jobs, everything. Change. <laughs> change is just something that was normal. And so I feel like when things get too routine, there's a problem yeah. and something needs to change. I have to change something in my life. Um, I guess to flip away from fear uh, and kind of end on a good note, what, what, and will it you continue this, Alex, what is your hope for this podcast? This isn't hope- something I propped you guys with. This is no, like no. just a new, yeah. No, it's great. I love it. Uh, definitely with the podcast. Uh, I think, I think my biggest hope is to just reach out to those people who are in the earlier stages of dealing with what we dealt with, or maybe who have never been able to have a conversation with their family member. You know, maybe they had a sister or a brother or a mom or a dad or somebody that struggled with addiction and they weren't able to open up. I mean, we're extremely close. I mean, all of us. And I'm so thankful for that. Like us as a family, even through everything with you living far away and Dominic being half my age, not quite half my age, but you know, so much of an age gap. Um, we've managed to stay extremely close. And I think my goal for this podcast is to be able to bridge those gaps, hoping this podcast is a realization that they can have these conversations and that they should have these conversations and they're amazing to have. And we're going to have some conversations on here and we're going to learn things about each other that maybe we haven't talked about yet. Um, and I'm excited for that as well, but education is key. And I think as Jordan said, reach out to a trained professional by no means are we trained professionals. We're just, we're just brothers that feel like this is, this will do good. And, um, you know, if, if anyone listening has a, a medical question or specific questions, we do, we do want you to reach out to an actual professional, you know, uh, we can help where we can, but by no means, you know, are we educated enough? You know, that's our goal is to get the education, but also to get the education out and be a platform for that. The, the thing is, like you said, the, it's important. If we reach one person who's dealing with some stuff and, and we help, help one person that that to me is huge because uh, like i said earlier like there wasn't anything like this that i know of when we first started dealing with this you know 10 years ago and the the isolation that you can feel even as close as we are like the the feelings of like not knowing not understanding not 
not getting it. I mean, especially I don't. Obviously, we've we've cussed quite a bit. I almost just quoted Ruth Langmore from Ozark saying, "I don't know." <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> good good quote in there. But um, like, we want this to be a tool for anybody to use and like and reach out reach out for help. And I, that's not necessarily going to be us. Like <laughs> we're just trying to open the door and facilitate conversations with people uh, in the hopes that it does help. Uh, and even like, if it's just the people that we're bringing on and by telling their story, they're, they're healing a little bit more. Like to me, that's, that's a win. That's powerful. Um, Dom, we'll go ahead and finish with you. And then if you could throw that, you know, that phone number one more time, uh, give people some help. Yeah, for sure. Um, my goals for this is really just to connect with people. Um, coming from, you know, my experience of being so young when it happened and, you know, growing up, learning about things that happened. Uh, I just want people to realize what they're feeling. That's, I feel like that's the biggest thing that happened to me is when I was writing and this is a escape, you know, something that helped me, my therapy, when I was writing, it validated my feelings a lot. Like you're allowed to feel sad. You are allowed to have bad days, but yeah, and just cause somebody doesn't understand that feeling doesn't make it not the way that you're feeling. Yeah. Like oh. that's something that I've had to learn not to, sorry to interrupt, but like that is huge. I think that that's something that anybody can take like if somebody tells you a way that they're feeling just because you don't understand doesn't mean that they're feeling that any less like so if you have kid like if you're if you have a you know spouse if you have somebody else that is dealing with addiction and it's influencing stuff with your kids and your kids bring you bring stuff to you even if you don't understand it that doesn't mean that they're feeling it any less than the way that they're describing it like sorry go ahead no, yeah that was i mean that's perfect i mean literally like and people compartmentalize, you know, and they hold it in. And that's what I did. And I shut down my life. I wish I could go back. But in the same, you know, thing, I'm glad I can't go back because I realize and appreciate my life so much more now. I'm, I'm, I'm 10 times the person I was five years ago, you know, and a lot of that was like with you guys. Like, I feel like you guys grew up with me, obviously being so much older, but when I graduated, I wasn't supposed to graduate like at all. Like I was 12 credits behind the start of my senior year. And I remember you, Jordan called me when the day I graduated and we just started crying together. I was, yeah, <laughs> oh, I remember, but yeah. just all of it, you know, I feel like back to the goals, back to the goals, you know, I just want people to feel what they're feeling and be okay with what they're feeling and try to decipher what they're feeling. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. I, I love people. I want everyone to be happy. I want, you know, I, I check up on people because, you know, people think that their mental health is not important. They think that paying their bills and going to work every day, that's the biggest thing in their whole life. And, you know, it, in a way it is, but at the same time, taking care of yourself mentally will free you from anything. Like that for me, that's what it is, is I want people to feel better mentally with that. A yeah. way you can feel better mentally is if you are going through a, a substance abuse, abuse issue and, you know, you feel like you need help or are struggling to reach out 
The addiction hotline number is 1-800-662-4357. I think with that, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Uh, stay tuned. Go ahead and go to our website. Uh, I'll let Alex uh, give a give a shout out there and then uh, be subscribed that way whenever we start rolling out some episodes, you're able to follow along with some people's journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can, this is going to be pushed out to Apple, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We're going to try to put it on as many platforms as, as we can check the description. There'll be our email. If you have any questions for us that you want us to answer, uh, again, we're not medical professionals or licensed in any way, but if you have any just generic of like, Hey, you know, how did you feel in this point we're happy to answer those questions but uh yeah so website everything will be linked down and below in the description and and feel free to check it out we'd love if you guys would subscribe we're just we're just trying to push this out to as many people as we can to try to help as many people as we can and have real conversations with real people